How are you doing this afternoon? I tell you, be jeepers, you wouldn't put a dog out and it is that bad out this afternoon. It is Thursday, the 30th of September, as the last day of September. It is me, your BBG, with you till 7 o'clock. I've got two very interesting guests for you today. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, you're very welcome indeed. I think you know how to reach the program by now. Go to richieallen.co.uk and use the comment live feature if you'd like to leave a comment for me or for any of my guests. Dr. Jessie Keener returns to the programme. She was with me back in July, a naturopathic physician of 40 years experience. She's had clinical practices in Texas and in Florida. Very interesting lady. Had a great chat with her last time. She's had her own television show in the States as well. Lots to get into with Jessie, including, of course, what's happening in New York with 80,000 healthcare workers threatened with losing their jobs because they do not have any intention of having a COVID jab. So Jesse Keener in the second hour. Before that, I had a very interesting email today from Darren Marsden. Darren runs a Facebook group called Trafford Residence Against 5G. He listened with great interest last evening to my conversation with Karen Churchill and Carol Springay. They are in Brighton among 200 parents and school teachers fighting to prevent a 5G mast going up alongside St. Peter's Primary School in Brighton. Darren was listening with interest to that. We'll talk to him this hour. That's what we'll do on Thursday's Richie Allen radio show with myself. Yes. I'll tell you what I want to start with today, if you don't mind, that is. Something I don't normally cover. I don't ordinarily cover crimes like murders on this programme. And what I mean by that is murders committed by members of the public. It's not something that would come up very often on my programme, on our programme, I should say, right? But I want to talk about this for a moment. A Metropolitan Police Officer called Wayne Cousins, you will have heard the name by now, who murdered Sarah Everard after kidnapping her and raping her. He was sentenced today to a whole life prison term. Never see the light of day again. And I think that's good enough for the for the guy to say the least. Right. So he abducted her back in March when she was walking home from a friend's house in South London on the third of March. The judge said the case was devastating, tragic and wholly brutal. Her family absolutely shattered by it. They gave emotional statements to the court yesterday. The judge, Justice Fulford, said it was grotesque, shocking. Every adjective that you can imagine has been used to describe what this man did. I haven't been desensitised to the horrors of things like that, I suppose, thankfully. And the horror for the woman herself, what she must have went through, and for her family. But I've always been a student of the media. I suppose it's a hobby as much as a job for me. And what's been happening ahead of the sentencing of this man 
this monster because that's what he is. Ahead of the sentencing, during the sentencing and after the sentencing, the media. So the media and a procession of talking heads from women's rights groups and victims' rights groups have been painting a picture that the UK isn't a safe place for women in 2021. And politicians have been jumping on that bandwagon, particularly Labour politicians like Harriet Harman, Jess Phillips from Birmingham and Stella Creasy from Walthamstow. Now, Creasy and Phillips might very well be sincere. I don't know. It would be hypocritical of me to talk about gaslighting by the media and then for me to gaslight some woman who says that there's an epidemic of violence against women in society and in behind closed doors, right? They might very well believe this. I don't know. The CEO of Women's Aid said today, her name is Farah Nazir, and I quote, It is only when women and girls are killed in public spaces that we see these headlines, but we know that women are being attacked and killed week in, week out. Keep that in mind. Week in, week out. Public spaces. Politician Jess Phillips recently read the names of every woman who was murdered in the UK last year. There were 118 women murdered. And she demanded action. She said women are being raped, murdered and killed while Her Majesty's Inspectorate procrastinate. Now, she didn't use the word procrastinate, but she said the rest of it. Women are being raped, murdered and killed while Her Majesty's Inspectorate doesn't do anything about it. Stella Creasy, Walthamstow Labour MP. For three years now, the Met Police and Cressida Dick have argued against misogyny as a hate crime, blocking implementation in the city as well as nationally. In the same period, they haven't provided any alternative plan to keep women safe on our streets except to tell them to be careful. Plans for women to be safe on our streets, making misogyny a hate crime, and all of that. So you're hearing a lot of this today. So going out in public is now a terrifying prospect for young girls and women, we are told, and there is an epidemic of violence against women, we are being told. Let's hear a couple of clips before we look at this a little more closely. Here is the Victims Commissioner Dame Vera Baird speaking to the BBC this afternoon. The Victims Commissioner now. She had some interesting things to say. The inspectors of constabulary called on by the Home Secretary, rightly and well done to her to report, reported the day Sabina Nessa was killed, that there was an epidemic of violence against women and girls in society at large, and that the police, although they had improved, were not policing it properly. So she asked that a sample of forces intended to represent them all to earmark the 10 men they said were dangerous to women in their force. And they all did under the direction of Chief Inspector Billingham. But prior to that direction, 34 of those men had not been recognised as dangerous to women and consequently they weren't being managed. And the prioritisation of violence against women and girls has to just be elevated hugely. I do hope the Home Secretary follows the recommendations of 
that report by Inspector Billingham, which suggested that this were this this crime should be elevated to the strategic a national strategic policing requirement like counter-terrorism like county lines because it certainly does a huge amount of physical and mental harm to a very large number of women annually we know three women uh, a woman is killed every three years if it was elevated in that way it isn't every three years it's apparently every three days so victim commissioner dame vera baird wants violence against women to be treated as seriously as county lines drug running and as terrorism. So there must be a serious problem. We'll come back to that in a moment and what might be going on. And it's just my opinion, this, all right? Let's have a listen to LBC Radio's resident virtue signaller James O'Brien dealing with this issue this morning. Do please be assured of a... a, 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 a gentle a welcome as I can provide if, if you do want to talk about something that has come back even stronger than it usually does in the context of the Sarah Everard case, which I suspect we're going to be talking about for the whole show today. And even as I say that, I think, well, why don't you talk about it on days when there isn't a crime like this out there? Because you're talking about a phenomenon that is in place every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every... Every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. A phenomenon. So why are we talking about violence against women today, says O'Brien? Well, we are because of Sarah Everard. Why aren't we talking about it when there isn't a Sarah Everard case? And he went on then to contradict himself by saying that this is a phenomenon that is occurring constantly, 24-7. Okay. Of every year, you're talking about something which is Rhiannon just brought home to us in really uh, a powerful fashion. You're talking about something that is just a daily presence for half of the population and until relatively recently I can't speak for all men until relatively recently I didn't know I didn't know the so until relatively recently he didn't know that there was an epidemic of violence against women he says he wasn't aware of it but he has become aware of it because of recent events the what's the word I want because I said normality before the news and that's not the right word the commonplace nature of this Commonplace, is that the word? But you, you understand what I mean. It, it, is, it is unremarkable to women and almost unbelievable to men that the constant level of threat and risk and fear. and Constant level of threat, risk and fear, says O'Brien. And, I mean, that is, I'm afraid, evidence of a society that has been constructed over hundreds of years to, to reflect the primacy, the superiority, the perceived superiority of men. It just has to be. It has to be, right? OK, he goes on. Think for a minute, you know the old gag about if, if men had periods, then sanitary products would be free. It's probably true, isn't it? But if men were exposed as regularly and as completely to this level of risk and threat, the idea that policing in this country would be the same as it is now. So he goes on to say, I'll leave it there because I know you can't bear the sound of his voice no more than I can. But this is really interesting because he's not alone. The media has been doing this now for some time, but particularly since the heinous murder of Sarah Everard. Epidemic. It's happening all the time. Here's the reality. Because I've done a bit of research into this. Not just today. I've been doing a bit of research into this for a few days. 
Now, the information I'm going to give you is readily available at ONS, that's ONS, that's for Office of National Statistics, .gov.uk, which is collated statistics on murder and violence, well, since forever, okay? In the 1960s, so 50, 60 years ago, the proportion of homicide victims was fairly evenly split between men and women. But it has trended differently in in the interim period. So between the end of the 60s and now, it's it's fluctuated. The number of female victims has fluctuated around between around 180 and 250 a year from the 1960s. It's always been between 180 and 250 female victims a year since the 1960s, right up to the present day. In that time, the number of male victims increased. It's on average around 100, excuse me, around 550 a year between the year ending March 2001 and the year ending March 2005. There's been a fall in the number of male victims since then, right? There's been an overall downward trend in homicide in general during that period from 2001 to 2005. But from the 60s right up to the early noughties, about 550 men a year were murdered. It's going down and it's going down for women as well. So according to the ONS, in the latest year, there's been a 20% increase in the number of male victims. So 422 to 506. Conversely, the number of female victims fell by 16% from 225 to 188. That's from 2019 to 2020. That's the first decrease since March 2016. But it's been going down steadily for years. Okay, so the majority of homicide victims in the year ending March 2020 were male. Almost three quarters of all victims were male, 73%, and just over a quarter were female, 27%, in the year ending March 2020. So 188 women were murdered last year. And according to the ONS, that figure has returned to the levels seen between the year ending March 2012 and the year ending March 2017. In the year ending March 2020, female victims were more commonly killed by a partner or ex-partner or a family member, while males, for males, the suspected killer was more commonly a friend or acquaintance, stranger or other known person. Almost half of adult female homicide victims were killed in a domestic homicide, so 81 of them were killed in a domestic homicide. 107 last year were not killed in a domestic incident. Now, according to the Office for National Statistics, there's been a general downward trend in the number of domestic homicides over the last 10 years. Males were much less likely to be the victim of a domestic homicide, with only 7% of male homicides being domestic in the latest year. Right, women much more likely to be a victim of a domestic homicide. In just over a third of homicides of a female victim aged 16 years or over, the suspect was their partner or ex-partner. But that was a decrease of 26 homicides in total compared to the previous year. Now, this is a bit statistic heavy, but bear with me because it's really important. All right, Female victims 
were most likely to be killed in or around a house or dwelling or residential home. 78% of female victims were uh, killed in or around a house or dwelling or residential home, compared to 38% of male homicides. Four in ten male homicides took place in a street, a path or an alleyway, compared with only 11% of female homicides. So last year, only 20, only, ignore the only bit, I don't mean to say only, um, 20 female homicides last year took place away from the home, the house or the dwelling. 11% of them. And that's an important statistic. And when you bear in mind that murders, homicide against females, has been trending downwards for years anyway. And when you look at the Office for National Statistics, when you look at their spread for domestic violence, violence that doesn't result in the death of a person, there was no significant difference in the prevalence of domestic abuse experienced in the last year for men and women aged 16 to 74 to the year ending March 2020 compared with the year ending March 2019. And according to the government's statistics, when analysing data over a longer time period, again going back to the 1960s, is that there's been basically a year on, a year in, year out decrease in episodes of domestic abuse, domestic violence. It's been trending down for years. All of this information, as I said, is available. Office for National Statistics, ons.gov.uk. It's been trending down. It's been trending down all the time, and particularly in recent years. There there have been claims that it might have increased during the lockdown last year, that locking people up together and forcing people to work from home may have led to an increase in domestic violence. Only time will tell. So the downward trend in prevalence over time, according to the ONS, is driven by reductions in in the prevalence of partner abuse, which has decreased from 6.9% to 4.5% in the last 15 years. So domestic abuse is a real thing. I grew up with it. I was violently abused. I knew of women when I was a kid, uh, growing up in Ballybeg in Waterford, I knew of women that were battered. It's an ugly fact of life. Every concession should be offered to victims of domestic abuse. Everything you can do for them, whether it's make more shelters available to them, where you've got more outreach programmes, absolutely. But like homicide, it isn't going up. It isn't trending up. The Sarah Everard murder is horrendous. It's horrendous. Creepy because it's a cop, no less. I, I understand the, the outrage. You know, the bastard had been reported for flashing on two occasions. How did he keep his job? How did he keep his job? But the fact is women should have no more fear of going out in public than getting on an airplane. So what's going on? You tell me, RichieAllen.co.uk. Comment live. Tell me. I suppose you can start with the talking heads, the victims' rights groups and the politicians and what they are proposing. Because the clue is always in the solution to the problem that doesn't exist. Murder is a problem, of course. But you can't do away with murder in any society. You will always have murder. Always. In every country in the world, 
We don't live in a utopian society. There isn't anything you can do about it. Except watch the trends. Try to intervene in situations where you think a woman or a man or a child is being abused in their home by a parent or a sibling. And if you get wind of that, you can try and make some sort of intervention. But you'll never eradicate murder or violence from society. It isn't trending up. So what's really going on? Well, the answer might be in the solutions. Because the solutions involve targeting young boys through educational programmes. And asking very young boys to deal with these issues or to contemplate these issues. And telling young boys what they can and can't do when interacting with young girls, whether it be in school, whether it be in sports, and so on. You see where I'm going with this? Surveillance is another proffered solution to this. Making misogyny a hate crime is another solution to this. Making the hating of women a criminal offence and factoring it in when sentencing men for crimes they committed against women, whether those crimes be theft, physical abuse, psychological abuse, whatever. It's a very interesting one, this, and it's going to come up again and again and again through things like the Online Harms Bill, which we've talked a lot about on this programme, and educational issues, where, as I said, they're radically trying to change um, education and introduce these ideas to young boys in primary schools in this country and in Ireland, to the detriment of the development of young boys, I think. And we'll talk about this going forward on the programme. Very interesting. Women are not in danger when they go out in public. There's no evidence to support that claim. And domestic violence has been decreasing, even if you factor in, you you, you know, claims that women are not reporting it because they don't feel that they'll be believed, and I'm not saying that's untrue. When Even when you take that out, violence against women in the home is on a downward trend. So what's really going on? 22 and a half minutes past five o'clock. Insulate Britain making the news constantly these days. These are the climate evangelicals who have taken to gluing themselves to mostly the M25, it would seem, and holding up traffic, backing up traffic for hours and hours and hours and hours. They want the government to spend billions of pounds properly insulating every home in the country because by doing that, people won't use as much gas. And if they don't use as much gas, we might save the planet. These people are deranged. Last night on talk radio, one of them, a guy called Liam Norton, a spokesperson for Insulate Britain, well, he went postal, to use that great US colloquialism, postal. He went bananas on a programme presented by Christo Fufas. Let's have a listen to it. Uh, Christo, the presenter, made the point to the evangelical that the UK's emissions are a drop in the ocean compared to the rest of the world. Let's listen to Liam Norton. So what are you saying, Christo? It's too expensive. No, I'm saying it's just it's just a bit pointless because you're not going to change the world's emissions because of this. Well, you sound a little bit like um, uh, you know, like in the 30s, people were saying similar things about Hitler, and what they were called was appeasers, Christo. Well, what they were called was appeasers because people said Hitler wasn't a threat, 
they said that um, he wasn't a threat at the time. And you're suggesting the UK shouldn't reduce emissions. And to be honest with you, people that take that position um, in, in the future, within a few decades, they'll be seen as, as cowards and traitors to this country. Right. In the future, those of us who didn't go along with the, with, with, with the agenda, who didn't agree with them and bow to them and do what they told us to do, will be considered as cowards and as traitors. And he also mentioned the Nazis, didn't he? Liam, I have respectfully questioned your position and your motives behind that and what objectives you would outline. And you sit there and you compare me to someone who would appease a man who murdered six million Jewish people. Genuinely, that's your position. That That's your media strategy, is it? That I ask you respectful questions about what you think you're going to achieve through your actions and you compare me to someone who appeases Hitler. Are you a bit offended? I just think that it's utterly moronic on your part because oh, why are you bothering to be <clears throat> so unbelievably rude to someone who's been perfectly respectful? Do you think that that's going to make the public, uh, in, you're going to be more endeared to the public as a result of that? Right. I think you're a little bit sensitive. You're coming across as a bit of a snowflake, Christo, to be quite honest with you. But just to be well, clear, I you're mean, saying comparisons to Hitler will do that to someone, Liam. Yeah. No, I wasn't comparing you to Hitler. No, you're comparing, comparing me to, to someone who would appease Hitler. Yeah, yeah, which is how history will will view. Um... We'll be judged. We'll be judged in the end as akin, akin, similar to those who appeased Hitler, those of us who don't agree with insulate Britain. The Labour Party leader Keir Starmer has been everywhere. That's simply because the Labour Party conference has been going on in Brighton. He gave a speech yesterday. So this morning he did most of the UK television and radio news programmes, most of them. He was on Good Morning Britain and uh, he talked a lot about uh, levelling up and all of that nonsense and social justice and all of that garbage. At the end of it, he was asked a question by Ben Shepherd about James Bond. Are you with me on Bond as well? It's been a big week for you. It's been a big week for James <laughs> Bond. So, Keir, do you have a favourite Bond? I don't have a favourite um, Bond, but um, I do think it's time for a female Bond. Really? Oh, hello. Yeah. That's a bit oh, OK, okay. Well, we, uh, we will uh, put that <laughs> to our reviewers a little bit later on. Right. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, he wants a female bond. Anne Widdicombe had a response for that on Talk Radio. Well, a man's a complete idiot. Look, James <laughs> Bond... Well, I'm sorry, but that's what I think. James, Just a complete idiot. James Bond is fun. It's stylized masculinity. It's not toxic, it's stylized. We know what we're going to get when we go to the cinema. We're going to get this indestructible character and we're going to get unbelievable car chases and a lot of nonsense from Q about all his gadgets. It's fun. Can't we be allowed to enjoy ourselves? Yes. Well, I've got some breaking news for Keir Starmer. You know, guess what? James Bond is actually a fictional character. He's not really killing anybody either. Yeah, right. Let's move on now because I want to get my first guest on. Don't forget, a little bit later on, Dr. Jesse Keener will be live on the programme. We'll be talking about, amongst other things, the, the news that 80,000 plus health workers in New York City face losing their job. Their jobs, I should say, because they won't have a job. All right. <laughs> So we'll get into that with Jesse Keener a bit later on in the programme. It is Thursday's Richie Allen shows the 30th of September 2021. Easy for me to say. 
Lots of comments coming in. I will read them as we go along. I promise you. RichieAllen.co.uk. Comment live. That's how to reach the program. Good to be with you as always. Sin, Lizzie, and dedication on the Richie Allen radio show. It's exactly five thirty. Thanks. I said it already. I'll say it again. Thanks for joining me. There are one or two connectivity issues. Uh, Jane has said, Richie, I have issues trying to listen live. Listen, I've had a week to end all weeks. You probably got that from the program last night. The I'm streamed out of a out of California by one of the largest streaming companies in the world. And one of the problems we're having this week and, and last week is the enormous volume of traffic. And they're working on it, the company. They're working on it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to safely hold about a quarter of a million listeners at any one time. But the listening numbers are going through the roof. And it's, it's, it's not an issue of funding or any of that. It's all good. It's all good. But there is a problem, and there has been a problem when it goes over at the 250,000. That's what it is. It's being worked on, and hopefully hopefully even from next week. First of all, hopefully I'll be a lot better in myself, because I've not been feeling well this week. But hopefully next week, that will have been dealt with. Uh, please God, if there is a God. Right, okay. Uh, hi to uh, uh, Jane. Is it Jane? No, hi to Joe, who says pretty soon. Uh, or he says we want a trans bond. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, Fox says domestic violence most definitely will have increased during lockdown, as well as child abuse, alcohol and drug abuse. This is one of the repercussions of the lockdowns that was always predicted and was bound to happen, says Fox on, uh, the, on, on, the, on the website. Comment live if you'd like to drop me a comment. That might very well be true. It might very well be true. And uh, I'm not going to contradict that. But as I said earlier on, violence against women, either in the street, whether it be homicide against women, murder of women, say it right, Richie, whether it be the murder of females or violence in the home, that has been trending downwards for years. That, that's the point. And it stands up. It's very important. Katia says, Richie, like vaccine injuries, most women do not report uh, the abuse against them. All men that lift their hands to a woman should be branded and tattooed, she says. Something like that. The women shut up because they are terribly afraid of these men. Again, I don't doubt that. I witnessed it. Albert says, Richie, domestic violence has gone up in lockdown. Says Albert, I work in social care, but my colleagues have not noticed that we are in an abusive relationship with the government. He says, not long until they mandate the experimental jab for me to the the social worker. Thanks for that, Albert. Right, we're going to um, quickly move on. You may have heard me speaking last night on the programme with two women, Carol Springay and Carol, Karen Churchill. Carol and Karen, they're in Brighton and they're among 200 parents and school teachers who believe that the health implications of 5G masks were not properly taken into consideration when Brighton Council authorised the construction of one next to St Peter's Community Primary School. It hasn't happened yet. They're objecting to it and they are fundraising. It was very interesting. I had an email today from Darren Marsden. Darren is a long-term anti-5G campaigner and he runs a Facebook group called Trafford Residents Against 5G. And uh, he wanted to have his say in it. Let's welcome to the programme 
Darren Marsden. Darren, thanks for reaching out to us and you're very welcome. How are you? Thank you, yeah. I'm all right. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for getting involved. So you you weren't um, surprised to hear from Carol and Karen yesterday in Brighton. This is happening everywhere. I'm guessing, Darren, I'm guessing, it's just a guess, that um, lockdown was used to expedite the erection of masks around the country. And, and I'm saying that because I've, I've gone on a couple of websites in the last couple of days and I've noticed that there was an increase in masks going up uh, in the country, in, in, in the UK generally, uh, during the last 18 months. Can you tell me anything about that? Um, well, um, I don't think so, to be honest with you. I think the masks would be going up uh, well before then anyway. So, um, no, we didn't see much... Uh uh, anything different here in Trafford anyway, to be honest with you. Right, so... So maybe in other parts of the country, maybe, but not in Trafford. So they were doing it anyway. So not just 5G masks, but, but 4G masks were going up. And did you tell me, you did tell me today, this this really did astonish me, and I'm not somebody who is easily shocked, that a 4G mast was placed on a school, not yes. not in Trafford, was it in sale? Tell us about that. Yeah, um, it's gone through now. Um, we can't We can't object to it anymore. Um, it's on Cell High School. Uh, there's a 4G mast on there, and um, the Vodafone um, um, decided to put in another application to make it a 5G mast. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing all these 4G sites become 5G sites. So um, they're just changing it all. How does so, that work, Darren? Like, so so this is a 4G mast that has existed for some time, and yeah, it's and just there, and now it's been converted to 5G. Yes, it's, well, that's the, that's the plan. So, um, and it's a higher tower as well. It's uh, another four metres high. Um, I do know um, there's been a couple of, um, you know, objections on, on the application, but not enough. And this is one of the biggest problems we've had, especially here in Trafford. Um, we've only got like, um, you know, there was a Harbour Way mast uh, on, in sale, the same place in sale. And we've got quite a few people um, on that um, and to object to that, including the MP as well. Um, we also got um, a mast refused um, in Broadheath as well. Um, and the MP joined in with that as well. But, you know, with the schools, it's really concerning me. Um, it seems to me that uh, they're aiming it at children. Um, there's a school in, um, in Timperley, Woodhouse Lane East, uh, that has already had a 4G mast placed um, there outside of the school gates. Now there's a 5G mast there. We didn't get a single objection. Not a single objection. I am absolutely, you know... Now, Darren, tell me, hang on, hang on, tell me why. This is really important, I think. Why? Why, you said a moment ago, these things are going up, yep. but, but, but you, you, there are not so many objections. Why is that? I'm guessing it must be because people don't know. It's, it's people that don't know, but also it's the councillors. I'm 100% behind what I'm saying. The councillors are in charge of all this thing. They can stop it if they wanted to. They are the ones that need to get to the people to tell the people how dangerous this is, how bad it's going to be for their children, and they're not doing anything. They are totally accountable to this. And when I see it, and um, I see the um, live streams, um, Traffic Council live streams, uh, the last one, um, one guy, David Morgan from the Tory party, he was just laughing. He said, I don't care about what anyone's saying and all, all these other little things. And um, they approved it and unanimously. Do you know, what, where's, where, <clears throat> sorry, where's our thoughts? Where, what about our concerns? Doesn't that matter anymore? You see, the and problem you what, have, or, or, or one of the problems, I think, is, and this is not me being naive, I genuinely believe this, 
at that level, these local authority councillors, councilmen and councilwomen, Darren, I'm, I'd be willing to put to bet the farm on, on those people not having any concerns about it. In, in, in other words, they, they believe, these people, more than likely they believe that the technology is not only safe, but it's also very useful. What do you think? It could be that, um, but I think it's more to do with the fact that they've not even looked at it. To be honest with you, I've spoken to uh, quite a few councillors and uh, Johnny off chance, and they've just said, we don't know enough about it. One councillor in Brooklyn, she calls it G5. <laughs> she didn't know nothing about 5G whatsoever. Every councillor I've, met, I've talk, spoken to, just on, on the whim, you know, they don't know nothing about it. No. That is the problem. And I don't know how to, 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 well, what can we do about that? Yeah, but it's, this it's is the question. They don't have the knowledge. This is, it's brilliant you're on, because this is the $64 million question. What do you do about it? You've got locally elected councillors, and yep. you, of course, they, councillors, depending on which, which, local, which borough it is, it could be Swinton, it could be Trafford, it could be Salford, it could be Eccles. Depending on which one, you'll have so many councillors. So, a certain council might have 16 members. Another one might have 20. They'll be made up of Tories, of Labour Party, of Lib Dems. Of course they will. So, so this is how it works, right? And they will be on various committees. And some of those committees will be planning committees. And they will get, they will get a contact from, from Vodafone. They will get a contact from, 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 from Three. And they will say, we need to put a mast up. And you just hit the nail on the head. The great majority of these people will be totally unaware that there are any safety concerns with this technology. So what the bloody hell do we do about that? That's the question, isn't it? Yep. They're just just useless. Absolutely useless. Um, And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the Constitution, but I'm pretty sure they've got... um, They've got to look after the public in some way. They've got to some, they've got to have something there to say. Well, if there's concerns, we've got to we've got to deal with it. We've got to you know look at it. But they're not even looking at it. They're just rubbishing every guy say, every guy do on the on the um you know on, the, on other things, other media. It's just rubbished. So all have, the time, rubbish, 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 rubbish. And of course, and the reason you face that regularly, not just you but other activists around the country is because you yeah. generally tend to be acting alone or in small groups because because our neighbours, Darren, and I'm not trying to you know, I'm not trying to depress you here now. We've got to talk facts here. I believe this technology has deadly health implications for you said yeah. to me in your email, you're bang on, for children because they're not fully developed yet, for animals certainly, yeah. but also for yeah. me and you. But we're in the minority. If I leave my house this evening and go knocking on doors and say, how are you doing? I'm, I'm your neighbour. Are you not concerned about the fact that at the top of, you know, at the top of Eccles Old Road there, there's a 5G mass? This could be a health hazard to me and to you. The, ma- the great majority, I would be surprised if one person said to me, yeah, come in and have a cup of tea. I'm concerned as well. Our neighbours and, 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 and fellow villagers they have no idea about this. Yeah, it's just about knowledge, about getting this, getting the, you know, getting it about, getting everywhere. But do you know what it was as well? There's two things that that I've noticed, right, and, and I believe this is true. Um, do you know about this tinfoil hat brigade and the conspiracy theorists and everything? That yeah. was all from America, right? Everything that we, at the beginning of this, all I saw was an influx of garbage from America. 
No disrespect to Americans, right? Nothing to do with that. I'm talking about the crap. All them infographics with children on it, with blood everywhere. Do you know, I'm sure you've, you saw that. And that into someone's psyche, they're going, oh my God, they're just conspiracy theorists. And, and, it, and it continued. Do you know, it wasn't just like for one week, two weeks or a month. It continued all this garbage into people's eyes. And they just, people just went, what? Do you know, so as soon as you start talking about 5G, that's what they go back to. It's like memory. They go back into memory and straight away, they, go, they see that and they go, ah, oh, rubbish. What a load of crap. You're a tinfoil hat or whatever. It's them that's caused this trouble. Let me tell you, of course, the councillors are the main thing. I put my, point my fingers at all of them. But I'd say America, all them, that crap came in. That's what's caused most of the people um, to reject it, you know, say, oh, whatever, you know, Tim Paul and all that. They're a conspiracy theory. It's a CIA creation, Darren, isn't it? The term what, conspiracy theory. I don't know, but I believe it's... I believe, 1970s, I believe, that. I believe, my friend. I think 1970s, and it was used... Uh, primarily to put down any discussion of the assassination of JFK and a term that would inspire in, in people, you know, a feeling of ridicule for anybody that was asking, question, asking questions about it. But we've known for years that non-ionising radiation is harmful. We've known this. Um, but you're right, you've hit, again, you've hit the nail on the head. To the average yeah. man and woman claiming that this technology is dangerous, yes, the, the, the immediate thought is tinfoil hat-wearing crazy conspiracy theorist. You're absolutely yep. spot on. And the media it's, it's pushes that. Go, people go back into memory. Do you know what I mean? That's what, exactly what they'll do. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just hear 5G or they'll read 5G or they'll listen to me, 5G, 5G, and they go, I remember that. And then straight away they'll go into their memory and they'll see all these crappy graphics from America. And they'll think, oh, we're just conspiracy theorists. And they just rubbish it. So all that, all that work that, that they've done, they've completely rubbished everything we've done. Everything, I, I talk facts, right? I, I talk complete facts. That's all I'm about. I don't care about anything else. I talk about facts. I read the ignorant guidelines. I understand things. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, everyone else doesn't make any difference. People will just, will just put it into their, it's into their minds now. And no matter what I say, it's rubbish. When you say Even you talk, right. let, let me ask you this, Darren Marsden is our guest, he's an anti-5G campaigner and he runs a group called Trafford Residents Against 5G, you can find that on Facebook if you'd like to check it out there, do check it out. Darren is live on the, on the show this afternoon, we were talking about this yesterday with Carol and Karen, parents in Brighton, 200 parents and school teachers there trying to prevent a 5G mast going next to St. Peter's Community Primary School. Now, you say that you deal in the facts, and I don't doubt you for a minute, but I have seen other campaigners talking about the danger of, yeah. of 5G technology, and they talk about a wider agenda. Now, here's the thing. This, 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 this is almost a paradox, really, because I believe there is a wider agenda. But I also believe when you're dealing with somebody in your neighbourhood who does think cons crazy conspiracy theories, who does think tinfoil hat, maybe yeah. sticking to the 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 easy sorry the 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 quick to hand facts, the irrefutable facts about radiation, sticking to that is probably oh, I, a better thing. Oh, I do. You know, rather than going into, you know, transhumanism and where this all yeah. kind of leads. Because I think once you get into that, it loses people. But then I hear myself, Darren, and I think, well, I'm encouraging self-censorship then by 
telling people not to talk about an agenda that might very well be a real agenda. But I think just dealing with what it can do to the body, how it heats up the body, the problems it presents for the eyes and the skin. Yeah. And you tend to stick to yeah. that, do you? The, you know, the, the, the health effects of it. Yes, I, I stick to the facts. I mean, I don't go off on one, like, one road somewhere and people will get lost. I stay with the facts. And I'll try and make it as easy as possible for people. I just don't understand why people don't get it. What, I mean, is it like people need to go to spec savers or something? <laughs> I mean, can that, can't they read the ICNOP guidelines? It's there. That is not a safety manual. You know, it's nothing safety in there. There's nothing safe, safe, you know, telling you about safety in there. About children, you know, I mean, what is it? The same kids. I mean, obviously, all these 5G masks are going out, outside of uh, schools now. Um, and, you know, they've got this, you know, the skin is very, very thin, isn't it? It's very thin. And it just goes right through it. Anything under six gigahertz goes right through. And it's there in the ICNERC guidelines. I mean, isn't that dangerous, people? It's not, not dangerous enough to, for your children. I mean, I can't believe it. And that Woodhouse Lane East Tim, and, and Temple in the school there. What, what's going on? You know, I mean, and the Sale High School as well. And that's possible. That could be approved by Trafford Council or Trafford Planning Committee. What about the, what about the mast? There's two masts outside of Victoria Park School in Stratford. Two 5G masts right next to each other, about 50 metres away from each other. And do you know, did anybody object to the erection of those two masts in Stratford? Did anybody say... There, there, there was a, yeah, there was a couple of people, and there was a firm as well um, on David Hume Road East um, that objected to it. There was but a company. Really, that was not enough. So go back to that, because you said at the very outset of the conversation, you said that... Yeah seemingly the more objections that are made, the more chance you have of it going away. Is that right? It helps. It really helps. And it definitely helps if you get a councillor involved or you get... Um, or an know, MP. Get, get, get an MP, yeah. If you can get them involved, even if they just go off the fact that it looks horrible, you know, or, or it's, it's blocking the right of way. I mean, that's what they would do anyway through the MPPF, you know, this guideline rubbish that the council goes through. And I think every council goes through that, to be honest with you. Um, but it would really help, uh, you know, it, you know they, they'll see, well, flipping hell, there's a problem here. And the councils will look at it and go, well, there's so many people concerned about it with all these health, you know, health, 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 health. Some people just don't like the look of it. It doesn't matter. Every objection matters, you know? Yeah. And 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 um, that's that's what we've got to do. But I'm looking now, there's a part, and I'm very, very concerned about Partington. Um, that's my, that's that's the place I'm concerned about the most about not just 5G neither, but um, you know they've got um, another mass coming along on Manchester New Road, and we've had about what about two objections if that, and what I mean the the, the last one because it was the first one that was uh, placed there was what was supposed to be placed there was a 20 meter mass that was the first one on the three network, and the parish council um, objected against it that was fantastic. And they said, and they, this I quote, and it says, the mast is far too high and not in the right location and 100% health and safety of the mast is not guaranteed. This is important. Now, this um, parish council, on the, on the second, obviously, there's a, no, a new application gone in and another mast is going to be in the same place, but 15 metres this time. They've not come out and objected to it. So just for five metres, they've not objected. What the hell's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. I wish so, I knew the answer to that. I wish it's I weird, knew the Why would they object to the 20 meter mask in the same place, the same everything, and not object to the 15 meter mask on the same place with the same um, mast and ROUs? And it's really close to Partington Central um, 
academy, a junior school, really close. If you were right, just, if you were right, and I suspect you are right, because I've already said that, that the technology okay. is dangerous. It's yes. very dangerous. I know you're not a medical man, but I know through your group and through the conversations you have and the research you've done, you have come up against or you've come up, you've, you've met concerned doctors and concerned medical people. How, if you're right, and I'm right, because I believe you're right, how soon would we begin to see or should we begin to see an increase in adverse health effects in people that are living very near these masks, particularly children. We should see that, I would imagine, within the next couple of years. We're 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 starting to see now. Um, I'm I'm hearing all the time and reading as well that people are getting more headaches, and I I'm also getting more headaches. <laughs> so so I mean I, I mean I can't say that 100 percent sure that was to do with 5G, but it's a little bit strange, don't you think? But um, to be honest, you're, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I think, I, I don't know how that's going to play out. It's, I suppose it's like smoking, in it? You know, like, you know, after all these years and years and years, suddenly, bam, it's, it's dangerous for your health. They realise. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer to, than, than, say, like, was it about 30, 40 years, maybe 50 years? I think when the millimetre wave, and no one's mentioned this, <laughs> and I'm sure, 100% sure, that the councillors don't know about it neither. Um, the millimetre wave, when that comes to town, which will happen next year, I mean, I'm talking about everywhere, it'll be on lampposts, it'll be on every single infrastructure you'll see, in, in hospitals, in mar- supermarkets, in you just name, I mean, no, I'll name a few there. That's when we'll start seeing things, major problems. Can because you explain, they're, they're Darren, ready. can you explain this to me and to my listeners? So we, we, yep. we, we see the 15 metre, 20 metre 5G masts. You're yep. telling me that to boost the the exposure capability or the reach to yep. boost the reach of those masks, you believe they're going to put devices on lampposts? We're going to get an extra um, mast on the, on, on every lamppost, yeah, and it will just be like um, like a grid. It will connect to each other. Is so there evidence? The is there evidence out there? To, to demonstrate that this is planned? Is there any evidence that they plan to I've use lampos? I've got, I've, I've, I've wrote, I've, uh, I've recently just got, um, through F, uh, Freedom of Information, um, an email from, um, from Ofcom. And they said, right now, and I don't know if anyone knows about this, but right now, they are testing millimetre wave. Um, little mast, you know, ta- ma- macro mast, whatever they are, small mast they're called. Um, and they're placing it in different areas, but they won't tell me where it was. I, I was trying to get information of where they were placing it, but they wouldn't tell me. But they said they are definitely testing it right now. And um, there's an auction coming up um, sometime this year, so really soon. Um, and it probably, um, you know, all the people, all the networks will start buying it, say, in the first or second quarter of next year, and then it'll be released fully uh, to the population. That's when we're going to start seeing real problems um, and, I, and no one's talking about it. You know, I don't see, I mean, I just see monopoles, monopole, monopole. Yeah, I understand, but that's part of it. And this is why we've got to stop these monopoles. If we can stop the monopoles, then the, 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 the um, millimetre wave masks don't go up. Because it's got to work together. What's the difference between the millimetre wave and the existing 5G towers at the moment? It, What's it, the difference? It's higher frequency. It, it's 20, it'll start at 27 gigahertz. 
um, the uh, monopoles are 3.8 gigahertz. Um, the 4G is 2.6 gigahertz. So uh, anything under 6 uh, gig gigahertz, um, uh, sub-6 we call it, um, is, um, is not good for the skin. It'll go, I mean, especially for a, a child, it'll just go right through them. And a cat and a dog, you know, and, and, and wildlife as well. Um, but once the um, millimeter wave comes, I mean, that's massive power. That's a huge power. Um, but it, then the millimeter wave doesn't, doesn't actually, um, you know, go through the skin then because it's higher. But, you, but it, what happens is that it's more conductive. You become more conductive. I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane. And, and as time goes on, they will increase and increase to around about, I mean, 300 gigahertz. And then yeah, they're talking. Then, they're talking about six G already, aren't they? Yeah, how did you know that? We just—I was just about to say six G. Uh, yeah, we are going. We're approaching six G in 2025. Um, but, but it's going to be commercial in 2025 anyway. Um, and that is near. Te- it's terahertz. That's near visible light on the electric magnetic spectrum. Can you imagine that a visible light and it's coming from a bloody mast in beam form? I mean, this beamforming thing, does people understand what beamforming is? I mean, I don't know if they do or not, but if you just think about your sky satellite, it gets a beam to the, to the satellite, isn't it, and to, to your dish. That's beamforming. Well, that's you, going upwards. Why, why they, they will say, those who believe that you and me are crazy tinfoil hat wearers, they will <laughs> say, this is brilliant, connectivity will never be easier um the internet of things is good they will say and all of that and we'll be able to no it's not good no i i, no, I agree but that, but that's what they're going to say that's that's what know. they what, what what do you think is really going on why why are they for me and for the experience it? i've had and i've had quite a lot of experience let me tell you um I, I think it's all to do with ai i think it's all to do with robots and surveillance um, and that is really the, what's what's going to happen. And obviously, driverless cars. Yeah. We're going to see more and more of them. Um, and driverless, who knows what's going to go from there. If the but police, most- if the police was to be replaced in the future, which it will be, uh, police officers will be replaced by. I don't know what you would call them. Let's just call them robots. They they will be autonomous yeah. robots, right? It makes sense then, what you've just described, because that technology being on every lamppost or every second lamppost will make it easier for these things to patrol, to go about their business. You said the driverless cars. That's where it's really going, you believe. It's got nothing to do with a faster speed of broadband and connectivity. It's more to do with transforming our world as we know it. Yeah. Yeah, The speed thing is just a a smokescreen just to make you feel like you're Oh, bloody hell, look at that, 500 megabits per second. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, wow, you know, that's just a yeah. wow thing. That's just a smoke screen. It's a lot of, I was going to swear that, but it's a lot you of can, something. You can, you can swear if you so, want. I don't mind. It's bollocks, right? It's absolute bollocks. It's about something oh, else. Okay, fair enough. Slow it, is, it, it is. It's, it's absolutely. <laughs> and, and yet, apart from the occasional member of parliament, once in a blue moon, apart from a, from a senator somewhere in the United States, nobody outside of independent campaigners like yourself and outside of the independent media, nobody's discussing this. It's just not out there. It's not in the public domain. I've never heard a a, a talk radio programme. I've never heard a mid-morning television programme deal with any of this. It's just happening and nobody's looking at it except you. It's a government thing. Yeah. 
you, you, people have got to stop thinking it's a network thing. It's not a network thing. Like 4G was a network thing. 3G was a network thing. Okay, Ofcom is a power government and everything, but it's mainly a network thing. 5G is a government thing. And people have got, you know, got to get it right. It's a government thing. So I can't trust the government. I don't know if you can, but I certainly can't. I don't think people should be trusting the government, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, so we, we've, got, we've got real problems. Um, uh, you know, we've got real, real problems if we don't stop these 5G masks. And I think, I mean, we're being swamped. I think it's, it's t- I mean, perhaps I'm, I'm being a little bit blase about it, but, you know, I've, I've got rid of, like, I've stopped about over 20 masks uh, with this group as well. Um, well done to them, you know. But um, really, we're being swamped. I mean, even even that um, that Brighton, the woman I spoke to, Karen, actually, um, really nice person. And, um, you know, they're doing great stuff. But really, at the end of the day, right, I'm looking into uh, their claims. I'm looking into that. I'm, I want to know what the application number is to see what's really going on, because I think there's something really strange going on there, um, to be honest with you. Um, but I'll, I need to know more about it. Um, so there you go. So I, I, I think, I think um, in the, the um, um, in the future, I think humanity, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It might do sound ridiculous, but it, we're beginning in the end of the humanity because where would we be if this, gets worse and you know the, the power of 5, 5g 6g 7g what place have we got in in the world do you because think all these robots will take over everything and do you think that it's connected to the work that elon musk is doing now he's only the front man i'm well aware of that but do you think it's connected to the placing the neural interface on the brain because they have a chip now it's ready to go they've got volunteers a chip that can be placed on the brain to enable the recipient to well basically to connect to everything do you think it's connected to that agenda as well Uh, it could well be um i think elon when you talk about elon musk he's a dangerous individual uh, I've always said that. He's a very dangerous individual. I've, I've even tweeted him many times to try to, to tell him, but obviously he's not reading these things. But uh, you've got to look at the Starlink as well. You know, all this thing, all this coronavirus, all this, I mean, most people call it corona cobblers, don't they? But all this coronavirus, yeah. if you believe in it, um, really just started um, just after the Starlink went up, didn't it? Yeah. So, um, and then you're looking down in the, you know, and that's another thing, anyway, isn't it? But we'll, we'll stick with the with the Starlink. The Starlink is really quite a dangerous thing. It's um, beam forming again, um, and this obviously we know about all the all the constellation, loads and loads of these um, satellites in, in in space or in near Earth, Earth orbit. What's that doing to us? So does anyone ever think about that? I mean, these things are beaming down on us all the time. Six. I mean, I believe, and don't don't call me on this, but I believe it's sixty gigahertz. Now that could quite easily go higher, couldn't it? We don't know. We've got no, no say in the matter. We don't. We can't even find out. I mean, look on the on the on the website. There's nothing there. There's no information. I can't find any information at all about it. So it's all in secret. So um, that's another thing we should look at. I really do. Uh, I, I really do think we should look at it, but we're not. No one even talks about it. No. And at well, the it's moment, the same thing. it's gigahertz. <laughs> it's gigahertz. And at the moment, what you've got is you've got a populace that's been shook to their foundations by a scam, by a pandemic that isn't real. Whether COVID itself is or not, I don't know. Pretend it is. We'll say it is. But it's it's it it certainly didn't warrant the response that has been you know rolled out to 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 attempt to defeat it. It's ruined people financially. 
it's they're 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 distracted with so much of that and asking them now to consider that you know basic basic wireless technology might be doing them great harm it's just it's very difficult Darren, we're just we'll, we'll wrap it up for today. It's okay. this is massive, mate. I I understand that, you know, and uh, it's 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 it's. I think it's connected to everything else. I really do. Darren runs a five G awareness group on Facebook called uh, Trafford Residents Against Five G. Uh, Darren Mars, and check him out there. And wherever you happen to be in the country or around the world, if you're interested in raising awareness about this, I'm sure you'll pick up some ideas from Darren in terms of what he's been doing. I'll give you the final word, mate. Thanks for reaching out to the programme and, uh, well, for sounding the alarm. Not at all. Final word to you, Darren. Yeah, I just just hope that um, we can can stop this this thing um, dead in its tracks. I want all the councillors, here in Trafford especially, just to wake up. I mean, I'm going to swear, wake the fuck up. There you go, that sounds better. And I really appreciate um, you giving me this time. Any time, Darren. We're, we're, we're in touch now. We'll stay in touch and we'll get you back on again in the near please, future. Yeah, please do so. Thanks, Darren. That was Darren Marsden. As I said, Trafford Residence Against 5G. He was listening with interest to what was going on in Brighton at St. Peter's Community Primary School yesterday. He reached out to me, Darren, this afternoon and uh, hence uh, we got him on the programme. Thanks to him. Time is coming up, I think, to around about three minutes past six o'clock. It's the Richie Allen Radio Show, live as usual, live, so it is, uh, from Salford, from BBG Towers. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yeah! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously, ensignfilms.co.uk. The Richie Allen Show is... Right, let's uh, let's do something else. Everything is going off. It's been one hell of a week. <laughs> it really has. But I stuck with it. And I'm proud of myself. Yes, looking forward to a bit of R&R me. Uh, Dr. Jesse Keener should be with me momentarily. I will read some of your comments. In fact, I'll do that now while I have a couple of minutes before I take a track. Thanks for your comments, by the way. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. There you are. Thank you. Uh, A number of you are leaving very useful links on my website. John Parsons there and others are leaving useful links where you'll get in useful information as well as interesting information so do go to comment live on my website richieallen.co.uk Tina says a lot of 5G towers have gone up in Luton over lockdown I've checked online and Luton has signed up to be a smart city no consultation says Tina thank you Tina John Taylor says satellites are not what people think they are There is no vacuum of space as gas pressure we live in next to a vacuum with no barrier between uh, the physics uh, demonstrates this to be impossible. John, do you know what? I should have read that before I read it out. 
I will learn that lesson when I am old and grey. When you are leaving a comment on the website, think about the fact that I'm going to read it out. Make it succinct. Make it readable, is what I'm saying. John, I think I get what you're trying to say there. Dougal says, Richie, the threat of mini-transmitters has been around for some time. They, the mini-transmitters, are necessary, as far as I understand, as the power output of 5G is relatively weak. So more installations are required to create a viable link. Clearance of obstructions such as trees must happen to create a pathway for the signal, which I believe cannot penetrate solid matter. That's Dougal. Thank you, Dougal. Like I said, lots of interest in this. RichieAllen.co.uk. Just go to where it says comment live. Comment live. And have a comment. Live. Pillow Hurley over here. Back in a minute. Right, four minutes past six. Welcome back to your Richie Allen Show, Thursday's programme. Let's welcome back Dr. Jesse Keener to the programme. Before we do that, though, Joseph Goldstein reporting in the New York Times today writes this. New York's vaccine mandate for more than 650,000 hospital and nursing home workers took effect this week, prompting tens of thousands of holdouts to get their first dose of a COVID vaccine as the deadline neared. But the mandate has also prompted a flurry of lawsuits across the state brought by nurses and others who are seeking exemptions in courtrooms from Manhattan to Utica. Judges are weighing whether to carve out exemptions that would cover thousands or even tens of thousands of healthcare workers. We reported on this already uh, this week that as many as 80,000 healthcare workers in New York uh, do not want a vaccine and face being suspended or fired from their jobs as a result. This is huge, this. It's hugely important. Let's welcome back to the programme Dr. Jesse Keener. Jesse is a naturopathic Physician with nearly 40 years experience. She's had clinical practices in Texas and Florida and a very well-known television programme as well. You can find her on Twitter at Dior Jesse Keener. Lovely to have you back on the programme. Jesse, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. It's a pleasure to be here. In terrible circumstances, though, Jesse, it must be said. What is going on in New York? This is huge. It's ginormous. It's you know, it, it is it is going to end up a victory for sure. There's no question that New York's going to lose and the people will win. But it is, I think, the epitome of the worst of the United States right now. This is clearly a very sinister agenda with very sinister politicians. And the good news is the people are uprising and they're taking uh, themselves into the, the you know, the, into the action stage of this. People are not willing to sit around and especially healthcare workers, of which I'm one, Richie, I mean, this is pretty obvious. They don't want the shot because they're already seeing the side effects of the shot from their patients. So, of course, they don't want the shot. That's just common sense, which, of course, is attempted to be bred out of our existence. We don't want common sense in any of these countries anymore. That's a bad idea. So it it is really, it, it is sort of the, at this point, I'd say it's sort of the pinnacle point in this whole run with COVID going from the 15 days to flatten the curve to now we have, you know, nearly all of the health workers in the state of New York 
up in arms and contacting their lawyers. It's really insane. And you think that the injuries, you think that is partly motivating some of these healthcare workers. It might not be that they've had suspicions about vaccinations previously, but it's because with their own eyes, they, they, they've they seen people become injured by the jabs. You think that's playing a big part, Jesse? I think it's playing a huge part. And, and but But you've really said a lot that we should break down right there. So when I was on your show the last time, I made the point, and it's a critical distinction about the word vaccination. A vaccination by definition, and by the way, they're changing those definitions faster than we can speak, and I mean that literally, but a vaccination up until, say, three weeks ago used to be defined as something that would immunize and protect the body from catching a particular illness. So even though vaccinations over their entire history have always been toxic to human bodies, even though vaccinations have always had downsides, I mean, we've got a famous Kennedy here in the United States, Robert F. Kennedy, uh, who is spearheading an entire national nonprofit for childhood vaccination injuries. And he was gunning it a long time before COVID vaccinations came out about the dangers of vaccinating children. Okay, so healthcare workers probably didn't know much about all that unless they had their own child harmed by, say, a DPT shot years ago or something where they had a personal experience with some of these other vaccinations causing injury. But now we're in 2021 and we have a COVID vaccination And by definition, it should not be called a vaccination because it's not a vaccination. It does not meet the definition of a vaccination, nor was it ever intended to. So we have to really look at, well, what is this shot then if it's not a vaccination? And I think that's a really big piece of what's getting health workers all over the United States, not just in New York, but in every state, really freaked out quite a lot because the people in charge of this are just lying through their teeth. And that's obvious now. It's not a vaccination. It is a genetic modifier. And the thing about that for any smart healthcare professional is, okay, but once my genetics get modified, is that reparable? Is that something I can modify back if I need to? Can it be undone, Jesse? Can it be undone? That's that's a yes. great question, isn't it? This is really important, and this really? and this might be the basis going going ahead for people who are threatened with losing their jobs. You will be aware that tens of thousands of social care workers in the UK, people who work with elderly people in their homes and also in nursing homes, are are going to lose their jobs because it's been mandated for them, and it might be. This might be the hill to fight on. This, this, this absolutely true, 100% true, irrefutable fact that these are not vaccines. And not at all. They don't prevent, by their own admission, by their own admission, the jabs do not prevent the recipient from becoming ill and don't prevent the recipient passing on something to somebody else. It's almost laughable. It's so ridiculous, right? If it wasn't actually happening to us, it would yeah. be very laughable. But but it is, I think this is the hill. I think this is where the world will wake up. We have countries shutting down the vaccination right now as we speak. We have countries shutting down the lockdowns as we speak. 
Sweden just opened back up. Several other countries have said enough, bullocks, enough of this. We're not doing it. So I think what's going to happen here in the U.S. anyway, and that's that's going to resonate with U.K. big time, is you're going to see lots of lawsuits and you're going to see lots of attention on the obvious absurd question, which is if we're in the middle of a pandemic, how can we afford to lose all of these healthcare workers? And of course, we cannot. And then it gets more interesting because what did the new governor of New York just say? She just said she'll bring in the National Guard to work in place of these healthcare workers that are losing their jobs. Martial law by the back door. Martial right? law by the back door. So I think this is the fight to fight. When I became a naturopath way back in the day, I really thought, Richie, that by now, natural medicine and allopathic medicine or AMA, FDA type medicine, it would all be integrated. And we would actually use homeopathic remedies to immunize against disease. Now, I just said something very interesting and very true. Homeopathic remedies have been used, can be used, and will still be used to immunize against any disease out there. But people don't know about it, and they don't know it exists, and there's no money in it. So it's not, it's not outlawed yet. But I was just speaking to a colleague of mine via Internet. He's also in Texas. He also keeps his nose to the ground and doesn't have a huge profile because of censorship issues. And he told me that there's a company somewhere in England that's making homeopathic nosodes of the vaccinations. Now, what does that actually mean? It means they got a hold of the vaccinations. They took them through the homeopathic process of, of calling the vaccination the, the, the mother tincture, and then you start your diluting and your titrating down until you get another liquid that's been diluted and titrated so much that there's no molecular structure of the original ingredients left. But all the frequencies, that's quantum physics, folks, all the frequencies of what was in the shot, those frequencies are still there. And you can take those frequencies into your body and your body will say, well, where else in my cells are these frequencies storing? And let me go unhinge them and let them loose and let them out of the body. This is called no-sewed therapy. It is virtually unknown except in small pockets of homeopaths around the globe. Different contagions and disease epidemics have been completely solved using homeopathic remedies. So this is fascinating. It's true. <laughs> and here's where we are. I think we're going to see homeopaths frightened for their lives if they know this information. I think we're going to see people being afraid to tell anyone that they know about this because of the, the potential consequences. But this just might be the start of the underground railway we need, Richie, where we need people understanding weight. In Europe, homeopathy is still widely recognized. People actually believe in it. There's homeopathic pharmacies right. throughout most of the major countries in Europe. Why? Because it works. But this newer stage of homeopathy called no-sode therapy, and no-sode is N-O-S, as in Sam, O, D as in Dr. E, no-sode therapy, that just came into existence after World War II when some of the super high-end scientists and doctors that were working for Hitler decided to go into frequency medicine and do good things with it. So it's been around now for long enough to be completely proven. 
The trick is going to be finding people who can get you the remedies. Now, having said that, I also know colleagues that have the frequencies of COVID-19 impregnated into antiviral liquid homeopathic compounds. So these are being administrated in the U.S. We're giving them out, but it's hush-hush. It's behind closed doors. It's almost like they have to sign a card saying, I promise I won't tell anyone you gave this to me. And they're inexpensive products that are just being manufactured quietly by very small companies. So there are answers out there, Richie. It's just that's part of why I wanted to be on your show again is I want to help people understand it's not that there's nothing you can do. And I want to introduce a second point that I've noticed a lot since we last talked, which is the change of languaging out there, the sleight of hand around words. So here we have a word that everyone's throwing around, whether it's their business in your face or not, about your vaccination status. When the word vaccination before COVID was being used, it literally meant an immunization. If I take a homeopathic remedy that has antiviral compounds in it and has impregnated in it through quantum physics the frequencies of COVID-19, I have effectively immunized myself against COVID-19. I never got a shot, but I have done a quantum physics medicine load to my body, all energetic, and now my immune system says, aha, now I know what you're talking about. So homeopathy is being used in the classical way for the symptoms of COVID, but it's also being used in this modern way with no-sode therapy and using the frequencies of COVID impregnated into remedies and administered that way. So so that's, that's a whole layer of knowledge that is being kept from most people that has to get out there. People have to understand. They need to know it. They need, they need to be aware of it. What, what would the FDA attitude be? What would it be towards um, homeopathy and the therapies you just... Um, outlined, Jesse, would it be, I mean, are people looking at being arrested for dispensing um, that, that, that homeopathic remedy? Would they be, would they, would they, you know, would, would that be a consequence of that? It could be. Languaging, again, becomes really important yeah. with these things. Now, I've been playing this game for a long time, almost four decades. So if I say to a patient, oh, I have the cure for COVID-19, it's in this bottle, I can immediately get arrested if they squeal on me for practicing medicine in a way that's not legislated by the FDA. Now, that speaks to the other issue going on in this country where our own FDA has prohibited physicians, good physicians, from using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquinone because it's off-label usage. It hasn't been approved by our FDA for COVID-19. Therefore, it's against the law for a board-certified physician in this country to recommend it. So they could be arrested. They could be, oh, they'll definitely lose their license. What we've learned to do on my side of the fence is is use a little speakies. Well, I don't really have a cure for COVID-19, but I I use this to immunize myself, Richie, and I do have it in inventory if you'd like to give it a go. Right. I have to be very careful with my languaging. But what I've told the people that I have given the remedy to is you can now confidently say that you've been immunized against COVID-19 because it's factual. It's just a quantum physical medicine that most people don't know about. 
But most people don't know that homeopathic poison ivy cures a lot of itchy, uh, you know, burning skin syndromes. Or that if you take homeopathic bee venom, it'll cure an ant bite or a bee bite or a wasp bite in seconds. So if people don't know about this over 250-year-old form of natural medicine, they're going to be left in the lurch. But I think what we're going to see in, the, in America and probably UK is a very big spike in people's interest in natural medicine and natural homeopathic remedies. And I guarantee you the FDA is going to come gunning for them. They're going to come and say, you can't have these. We're pulling them off the shelf. These are against the law. Now, historically, the FDA's position has been, we can't find any evidence that this stuff works. We ran some trials and it was all bunk. Well, it's not all bunk again. Yeah. We've got white paper after white paper, Richie, from outbreaks of all kinds of stuff. Viral meningitis in Brazil. I mean, all kinds of things that were really, and I can't say the word cure because that is patented by the American Medical Association. But I will say the word resolved fully yeah. by a single homeopathic remedy given to each person. I do remember about 15 years ago maybe a little longer, maybe a little less, but the European Union did go after homeopathy fairly hard. It it outlawed or, or outright banned hundreds, if not thousands of products that yes. homeopaths had been using. And yes. at the time, I didn't know some of the things I know today. I was very much a mainstream uh, commercial radio presenter. So if the truth be told, I would have thought that people like you were eccentric and I wouldn't have paid too much attention to you at the time because I didn't know very much then. I know less now, but I, I have a bit more humility now, I think. What I did, Jesse, at the time was I began to look into why the European Union did that. And it didn't take very long and it didn't take too much research to figure out that the lobbying of the European Union to outlaw hundreds or thousands of products well, it went straight to the front doors of Merck and yep. Pfizer. It was laughable. Yes. Laughable. Yeah. And, yeah. and It is laughable. Yeah. It yeah. Is. And nobody, you know, no. I remember not, not a single newspaper in Europe, let alone the UK or Ireland, took the, the time. It took me 10 minutes to figure it out, um, to, to, to point out that these, these, these treatments, which first of all, none of them did any harm whatsoever. None of these uh, treatments Correct. did any harm whatsoever, but that they could be banned at the behest of some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Just before you come back in, Dr. Jesse Keener is our uh, guest, very respected naturopath, uh, nearly 40 years. You wouldn't think that looking at a photograph of Jesse, it must be said. That's very sexist now. I could be accused <laughs> of sexism there. You wouldn't think it looking at Jesse. Um, she's been working with uh, quantum uh, she, she's a quantum practitioner we've talked about that frequency medicine which we heard a little bit about last July when uh, Jessie was on she's had her own television programme very successful we've been talking about what's going to happen to healthcare workers who do not want to be jabbed we've talked about alternatives to, to, to treatments can I just go back to one thing just to be a little bit curmudgeonly if I can be not to you now but to those who beat us over the head with COVID morning, noon and night for me, it still remains a respiratory infection that for the great, great, great majority of people is relatively harmless. You know, it leaves you with a bit of fatigue, a bit of a chest 
um, maybe infection, maybe runny nose, maybe fever. But it's real. It seems to me. Can you correct me if I'm wrong? It seems to, unless it's evolved, it seems to be dangerous for people with coexisting conditions and for the very senior. But for the rest of us, it's not something to get too worried about. Is that right? We. I would agree with that, um, but but I also think there's some things to, to open up with what you said. So in essence, I completely agree. Look, is there a virus? Yeah, I think there's a virus. Yeah. Does it attack the respiratory? Yes, maybe not initially. Some people start with a little queasy and nausea. Some people get a headache. But it sure does seem to smack dab itself right in the middle of a respiratory situation. Yeah. I think part of what happens here, Richie, and this is – this is really sort of gross, but it's really just the truth. Because of all the hype, because of all the, the immediate hype when this first broke out and everyone's freaking out and people are dying on ventilators, there is now a medical paranoia. And it's like the patient gets imprinted with the medical's paranoia. So if the patient says to themselves, and I, and I do get these calls still, even though I'm retired, you know, I felt a headache and then I felt sniffles and then I woke up with a terrible sore throat. And now I'm coughing. I've never been this weak, blah, 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 blah. Now they can run out and get a test. And I actually had someone do that last week and she tested positive. And you know what? She had every single symptom. And you know what we did? Not much differently than what we were already doing. I just doubled down on her vitamin D and her vitamin C, doubled up on her zinc told her to do a modified fast for 36 hours with just chicken broth and vegetable broths and herb teas, so no solid foods, so her body could be free to fight the booger and not busy digesting other things. And she was fine in four days, completely fine. She did say she'd never been so weak in her life. She's 32 years old, American living in Chicago. But, you know, she was well in four days, unvaccinated. So we're... I do think that there's so much fear mongering and this brings in a whole nother topic I wanted to, to speak about, which is critical. Listen, science knows that if you instill enough fear into a human body, they are going to run so much stress hormone or cortisol, their cortisol, AKA stress hormone level is going to get higher and higher and higher. And science knows, therefore all the people running this pandemic have been trained to know that the more fear the more cortisol, the less brain power in that human. This is not Jesse Keener says. This is white paper, not the wazoo. Everybody yeah. knows this in hard science. We know this. So what are we doing here? We're hyping up the fear. We're misinterpreting deaths. We're misinterpreting positive test results. We're banning effective remedies. We're making people crazy with the fear. Why? So they cannot think clearly. That's the whole point. If we have them thinking clearly, we're going to lose the pandemic. But if we keep them hyped up in fear and keep them constantly confused, and this is just classic brainwashing 101, it's not, it's not complicated, then we can keep moving our agenda forward. Yeah. And that's why Joe Biden just mandated vaccines for everybody. It, a mandate is not a law, but people don't even know that. They're just so cortisoled out of their minds, Richie, they can't even think crazy, so they're rushing out and getting the shots and then regretting it. You're right. And in the UK, back in March last year, we know now that the UK government employed psychologists to help them target the population effectively to, 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 to make it easier to, to, to scare people 
into compliance. We, we know this now. There's even been a, a best-selling book written about that. I presume it's probably been the same everywhere else. I imagine it was the same with the US government, scare people. It's really good that you bring that up about what stress and fear does to the body and how it leaves us. Look, I'm not speaking as an expert. You're the expert. But I've known one or two people like you over the years and it's, it's, it's your expertise I'm, I'm referring to. But yes, I know that now. I, I think back to when I was younger. I, was, I lived in very bad circumstances when I was younger. And I know now that a lot of that fear and anxiety led to, it manifested itself in my health. I became very ill at times with respiratory issues, with respiratory, I should say, issues like pneumonia and bronchitis and stuff. And I know where all that came from. You're absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's same here. Important. Very similar childhood, very similar health issues that plowed me into the, the naturopathic model. But I mean, this is really critical. People are going to have to start taking themselves really by their bootstraps. If, if they're hanging out in fear and worry, they are doing the activity that the whatever these people are, the orchestrators of the pandemic, that's where they want you. That's exactly where they want you. They want you glued to the bad news. They want you freaking out about getting the shot. They want you freaking out about losing your job. They want all the fear because that is what controls the population the most effectively. Look, when Obama was president, he passed some kind of executive ruling that was probably tacked on to a pork belly somewhere with how they passed laws here in this country. (laughs) But he literally passed a law that said it is A-OK for the government to use propaganda when it's in the best interest of the country. He did. You're right. You're absolutely right. He did. I mean, this is the real, you can go look it up. So, I mean, we're not, we have to change gears here. We have to stop expecting media to do anything right. We, we have to, literally, as I said to my sister-in-law at our family reunion, when she said, Jesse, what, what do I believe? I don't know what to believe anymore. And I said, Jane, if it's on popular press, go in the other direction yeah. as fast as you can. That's what you should believe. If they say the shots are safe, you need to believe the shots are not safe. Yeah. If they say they're safe for children, you need to protect your baby. We had a situation right now. It's funny you mentioned fear and cortisol. Right now, people where I live, some of them are running scared, Jesse, because they are terrified they can't get any petrol into their cars because mm-hmm. there's a shortage of um, big, big, big truck drivers, big lorry drivers here. And the, the, the petrol exists, the, the petroleum is there, but they can't get it to the petrol stations or the gas stations, as you'd say. So people are terrified about that. Their media is telling them that there won't be any turkeys in the, in, in the supermarkets uh, for Christmas, that there won't be enough toys uh, to go around. And they are running around absolutely terrified. God only knows what it's doing to their, to their, um, to their nervous system, you know, running well, around like that. and it gets worse because yeah. um, what I did was I took upon myself to study cortisol for the last three years because I was having an issue. My mom was dying of, of lung cancer and I was having issues flying back and forth between her home in Virginia and Texas. I was still practicing telemedicine. This was pre-COVID, but I had a very full practice and I got super stressed and I had an anxiety attack and I knew that that was caused by high cortisol. So I said, I'm going to take this thing all the way apart. And it took me two years of studying because it's not really talked about anywhere. But when you find the right doctors, like a Dr. Mercola, 
M-E-R-C-O-L-A.com, and you read about what cortisol does, it completely disempowers immune function. Completely disempowers immune function. Now, I talked to a woman last week who was hospitalized last month. She was not a COVID patient. It was a heart condition. It was unrelated to the jab. But she woke up on a ventilator in a hospital not knowing where she was. And she looked at me in the eye. And this was at our Chamber of Commerce. I was signing up for a luncheon. And she said, Jesse, I had a full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder episode right then, right there in the hospital coming to on a ventilator. And I instantly flashed on the thousands and thousands of people coming to on ventilators in the last two years and how it's causing artificial PTSD. Now, PTSD, as you know, Richie, that is a very serious issue. Hugely serious. And it it unhinges the brain power. It's very difficult to resolve. And people get stuck in repetitive thinking over and over, and they can't get out. They can't stop it. Now, there are herbs that help with this. There are amino acids that help with it, like L-theanine. Some of the very herbs that help the most are already banned in Ireland, like ashwagandha. I was shocked. I had an international client who was stationed in, in Ireland for a year. She could not buy ashwagandha there. It was outlawed already. European that is Union. one of the best herbs for cortisol reduction. Yeah, that's the European Union issue we talked about a few minutes ago. Yes. That's yes. right, European Union, yeah, absolutely. So it does, it does make you, it, it just makes me see that, okay, a lot, maybe this pandemic wasn't planned 15 years ago when the Codex came out and all these products were now shut away from, from consumers in Europe and the warning came across the pond to people like me, like, Jesse, this is coming to the US, get ready, you know, mobilize your troops. But we couldn't have seen this level of medical tyranny quite so quickly from that one thing except that I really can. I can go backwards in time and look at the, everything that's unfolded and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They came, they came out with that Gardasil vaccine, which apparently caused uh, sterility in a lot of women in India, and Gates and his team are banned from the country. So there were, there were little inklings, little splatterings, little suggestions along the way in the last 15 years that we were headed to something pretty, pretty evil and pretty drastic. And we're here now. Right, we're literally right in here. the middle of it. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we can't do everything. We have to work with the basics. What I learned overcoming my challenge with PTSD and cortisol is, number one, you have to focus on your breathing. You have to learn to take your diaphragm and expand it on the inhale and allow it to gently contract on the exhale, much like they train vocalists, opera singers, etc. You have to engage the belly breath. Why? because the adrenal glands take their cues from the diaphragm. If you're startled, you do a startled breath. You go, and your adrenals instantly say to themselves, okay, that's it, there's a man with a gun to her head. Let's get the stress hormone going. Now, if I just said, because I watched a video on Twitter showing someone get beat up for not wearing a mask in Australia, my adrenals are going to say, okay, there's a guy with a gun to her head and we need a lot of cortisol so she can get out of this. So it might not even be happening to me, but I'm going to have the same exact result in my body. I can be worried about getting my Petro next week and I'm going to have that same reaction in my body as if there was a man with a gun to my head. So now we have constant inflammation in the body. That's a comorbidity for COVID right there. Nobody on earth has said that, so I'm going to say it. Richie, 
High cortisol is a comorbidity factor for COVID death. It makes sense to me. So you scared the bejesus out of the population, which they've done. And when they were scaring the bejesus out of them, most people hadn't encountered whatever COVID is. So you're scaring them. They're producing the hormone cortisol. It, it basically puts a spanner or a wrench in your immune system. And then you do encounter COVID-19 or the flu or something else. And or it can be catastrophic. Right? Yeah. Catching in your lungs, that's all. Yeah. yeah. I can, look, I can buy that all day yeah. long. And, but remember, your, your rational, logical, cognitive function has been effectively disengaged with high cortisol. They've done tons of studies. You're not even in the frontal lobes of no. your brain anymore when your cortisol's high. So your ability to reason back with that medical professional and say, well, actually, no, I, I don't think I need all these massive drugs and intervention or or to even reason with that, you know, now I'm the family member. My husband's getting told he has to be on a ventilator. My cortisol is going to be so high. I can't reason that through. I can't say, well, what about an alternative or what if we give them some antiparasitics really quick just in case? Do you know that I had to actually argue once on behalf of a patient for an antifungal drug to be given? I was in their doctor's office. They wanted to introduce the fourth round of antibiotics, and I knew it was a fungal lung infection from my quantum interpretation, and I had to argue for five minutes about administering an antifungal with the antibiotic. But the doctor should have known that. After three antibiotic rounds, yeah. anyone's going to have fungus. Yeah. But I had to argue it because he couldn't see a lab result that proved it. And is it the so, same? So, is it the same there? Is it similar yes. in the US? When you go and see a doctor in the UK today on the National Health Service, you are limited to a 10 minute consultation, irrespective, yes. Jesse, of what's wrong with you. And mostly, not to criticize every one of them. But th this is how it goes. You explain to your doctor how it is you're feeling. While you're doing that, he or she is typing on a computer looking for a prescription. Yes. Is That's it the it. same? That's it. It's the same. And, and I bet this is happening in UK also, I have a lot of my, my patients who, of course, I'm, I'm retired now to be safe and not in jail, uh, contacting me to say, what do I do? My doctor just fired me because I won't get the vaccination. Fired me. Fired me as a patient. I had another patient call me last week. She had a letter from her insurance company saying that they have spoken to her doctor about the fact that she is unvaccinated. Is there not some... Now, now, what the hell is that? That's to say... The doctor is in ethical soup there is yes. a bit of an understatement. You can't do that, surely. You can't do that, can you? And I really don't know. But I think all of these doctors are so, listen, we've never had a situation where doctors have been forced to let their patients die that we know of since World War II. We don't know of anything that's ever happened like this, no. where hundreds and thousands of patients are dying because their doctors can't script them ivermectin and hydroxychloroquinone or any derivative of such. For fear so, of losing their license to, their to license, practice. Their livelihood yeah. and, and potentially even worse. You know, say they administered the ivermectin against the FDA's recommendation, but the patient went on the ventilator because that's the protocol for COVID. You get them on the ventilator as fast as you can because there's a lot of money in ventilators. And that patient dies. 
that family can come after you for ever prescribing the ivermectin off-label. So it's really got, so we have very serious medical tyranny here because doctors left and right are firing patients who are not being vaccinated. Yesterday, I was sitting in my hairdresser's chair getting my highlights, and she told me how she's eight months pregnant, and she told me, this is her second, how she's refusing the jab, and her doctor is busy deciding if he'll deliver her baby for her. So the doctor is desperately keen for the pregnant lady to have the jab and is, and is holding clean. over her as yes. a threat that I might not be there for you when Correct. it comes to delivery. Correct. That's just, that's the craziest thing I've heard today. It's a little bit crazy. Um, and, you know, I, I know her well. I've worked with her for years. And I did I did write down some few things on a piece of paper for her to think about and ways to consider. And, um, you know, and maybe she just isn't going to have that C-section after all. Maybe she's going to do a home birth. You know what I'm saying? There's, there, yeah. there's lots of ways to skin these cats. But I think the main message I want to give today is that you know, we all have to do whatever it takes to stay calm. We have to put on music that's soothing. We have to put on nature sounds. We have to get outside. Yes, winter is coming, but let's get out there before it's too late. We, we have to do the breathing. We have to do meditation. We have to limit ourselves to how much news and controversy we can even plug into and really look at this like, okay, this is all happening for a reason, but I, if I stay calm... I have a chance at sorting through for myself. What are my reasons? Yeah. What do I need to do about this? Jesse Kaner is not getting vaccinated. Jesse will go to jail before she gets vaccinated. Jesse's going to stay with her party line. I have been fully immunized against COVID-19. If you'd like, I'll immunize myself again right in front of you, but no jab for me. It's just not going to happen. Uh, at this time, I can still, we still have Whole Foods. We still have supplement companies. They're not banned. You know, I can go online to many vendors and buy what I need. So I can keep my immune system running well with my vitamin C, my D3 with K2, my chelated zinc or chelated, depending on where you're listening from. Uh, I can take extra antioxidants. I think the other thing that I really wanted to impart on people today is, listen, they're talking about these comorbidity factors, and that's a really important point. But Richie, there are so many comorbidity factors that people don't even know they have. If you are microwaving your food, you are a comorbidity factor because you're not getting nutrition. You're getting calories, empty calories. If you're eating commercial GMO food, which is most wheat, corn, uh, I don't know about UK, but definitely in the US of A, it's all GMO'd unless you're buying organic. You are creating comorbidity factors for yourself. So just average people who might even go for a jog in the morning before work, if they're having a cup of coffee, um, a glass of orange juice and a biscuit and trotting out the door, they're creating a comorbidity factor for themselves. So we have to look at this from a much more naturopathic perspective. And no, we don't all have to become naturopathic physicians, but they haven't censored everything online. You can go to many well-being websites and learn about you know, how to get off the GMO foods and why people say seed oils are so dangerous for your health and why your liver will tank if you keep eating GMO foods. And it's all right there. It hasn't been censored yet. Not yet. It probably will be. <laughs> 
it probably will be. I know you're um, you've you're running away to do. Um, to, to obviously you've got your own job uh, there, and I know you've got other appointments, Jesse. So we'll we'll wrap it up. I just wanted to ask one very brief question. When you mentioned the breathing, the importance of breathing, particularly to stave off, you know, feelings of stress and anxiety, very important. Obviously, no doubt. The the, the ridiculous face diapers or face nappies, as we call them here. Uh, the face masks are obviously a big problem for people too. What you you know? How much are? How much is wearing a face mask mask contributing to uh, the the anxiety and the the stress that people are feeling? Enormously. I was speaking to a a friend of mine who saw her biological dentist last week. It's been a, it's been a really intense week, and um, this biological dentist very experienced. I've I've referred hundreds of patients to her for amalgam removal. And, and really high-end dentistry. She said, Richie, she is seeing so much gum disease, tongue thrush, uh, horrible eczemas all around the lip, you know, weeping sores, and it's all from the mask wearing. And these are these are the higher-end people that can afford Dr. Sefcik. She's, she's not your average dentist. She, she's, you know, really a, a very, very high-end person. So these are not your average consumers wearing face masks. These are people that probably shop at Whole Foods and drink purified water and don't take over-the-counter drugs. And these are the people with the increased gum disease, face issues, skin diseases from the masks. That says a lot right there. So my number one thing is if you're in your own car, if you're in your own house, or you're behind a closed door in a restroom, take the effing mask off and do some deep breathing, engaging your diaphragm, and get your get your air going. And then really simply put, there's a ton of breathing exercises out there, but I wanted to give your audience one that is very superlative because it's actually the basic brain training breath that we work with all the time in brain training. And it's so simple. I'm going to I'm going to say what the breath is out loud and and then maybe I can even email it to you and you can post it on your site somehow, Richie, for people that didn't Absolutely. quite catch it. Absolutely. But basically you start with an inhale through the mouth and then you breathe out the mouth and in the nose. Out the mouth and in the nose. In through the mouth. Take, out. So you breathe in the mouth all the way, out the mouth and in the nose. And then close your mouth and breathe through your nose. Yep. Then you're going to breathe out the mouth Oh, I'm sorry. I think I did that wrong. You're going to breathe all the way in the mouth. Then you're going to breathe out the mouth and in the mouth. So two times in the mouth, out the mouth, in the mouth. Then you're going to breathe out the mouth and in the nose. Then you're going to breathe out the nose and in the nose. And then you're going to breathe out the nose and in the mouth. So once again, breathing in the mouth all the way fully, expanding your lungs, then exhaling out the mouth, breathing in the mouth. Exhaling out the mouth, inhaling through the nose. Exhaling out the nose, inhaling through the nose. Exhaling out the nose, inhaling through the mouth. And then repeat that final last breath, out the mouth and in the mouth. And what will, what will the person practicing that, what will they notice immediately, Jesse? I'm so glad you asked. This is juicy. So each of those breaths correlates to a brainwave, Richie. 
So when we're breathing mouth-mouth, that's a beta wave in the brain. When it's mouth-nose, we're switching into a theta brain wave. When it's nose-nose, it's a theta brain wave. When it's nose-mouth, it's a delta brain wave. And when it's back-to-mouth-mouth, it's a beta again. You do this a few times in, the row, in a row, say three times, nice and easy. Your pineal gland expands and excretes a chemical compound called DMT. Is that familiar to you, Richie? No, it isn't. Okay. It is known as the spirit molecule in science because when that DMT compound gets released and circulates through our brain, the entire nervous system resets. The body goes, ah, and we're in our superior mind, super competent, super rational, super efficient. It's called the flow state or the genius state or the gamma mind. Gamma is G-A-M-M-A. Joe Dispenza teaches really great workshops on that, but he doesn't have this breath. This breath picks up where his workshops leave off. So anyone that practices that rotation three times in a row, as long as they're not being stingy with their breath and doing a decent inhale, maybe three seconds in and three seconds out, they're going to feel lightheaded at the end, Richie, and then super calm and relaxed but alert, ready for business. It's a fabulous thing. I do it multiple times a day. I've trained myself to do it in the car. I don't recommend it in the car straight away no. because you have to get used to that slightly buzzed feeling, which will wear off in about three to five seconds. But this is a self-healing tool. It resets all the neurotransmitters. It makes the GABA circulate through the body and all the muscles start relaxing. So it's a beautiful counter to that high cortisol stress mode we were talking about. I remember just before we say goodbye for today anyway, I do remember speaking to somebody on the show years ago who'd spent quite a bit of time in Tibet and spent some time around Tibetan monks and my my interviewee, my, my contact said to me that she noticed that they spent a lot of time, the monks, breathing and it seemed to be purposeful breathing, that they were concentrating on what they were doing. How fascinating. So, it's the fastest way to get into the gamma state. Now, the gamma yeah. state is the state that Tibetan monks access, and they've been studied, studied, and there's white paper everywhere on this. It's called the gamma state. We thought we would have to go live in an ashram and study for 10 years and practice for 10 years to get this pineal gland to act the way it acts after about two minutes of breathing. So this is the modern shortcut to accessing that Tibetan state that your, your uh, interviewee noticed. Jesse, brilliant to have you on. Thanks for coming back on the programme. Folks, you can find Jesse on Twitter. It's at Dr. Jesse Keener. Um, follow her on Twitter. She's there. You've been listening to uh, Dr. Jesse Keener, naturopathic physician, 40 years experience. Um, very, very interesting. And always, I say always, the second time you've been on, excellently briefed, Jesse. Really enjoyed having you back on today. And I hope we'll get to do it again before Christmas. Let's do it before Christmas, Richie. Brilliant, Jesse. Look after yourself. Well. Bye for now. You too. Dr. Jesse Keener, live on the Richie Allen Show for Thursday, uh, September 30th, uh, 2021. Right, she's off to do um, something else. She said to me earlier on, we've got to be finished by the top of the hour. And I said, well, the programme ends at the top of the hour. In any case, you don't need to worry about that. That's about it for me for today and for the week. The old voice just about held up. I can feel it going, uh, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure that I'll be in good form 
on Sunday morning when we speak again. Sunday morning melodies. I'll be with you on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time for that programme. I have no doubt about that. I'll see you then. Until then, I suppose, uh, enjoy the weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. And um, I'm going to go out with some David Bowie or Bowie, depending on your uh, persuasion. Aren't I? At least I hope I am. Yeah, I am. I'm going out with David Bowie. Until Sunday, thanks to Dr. Jessie Keener. Thanks so much to her. And also thank you so much to my first guest, uh, Darren Marsden as well. Thank you, Darren. Bye for now.